0: hello everyone welcome to you me them everybody my name is brandon weatherby this episode with jennifer wright is sort of based around her 2017 book uh, a book that i started at the start of the pandemic and it sort of helped guide me through the entire pandemic it's called get well soon history's worst plagues and the heroes who fought them it came out in 2017 and um, i don't know about you guys but uh the coronavirus really affected me And the people I uh, love and care about because we are living through a plague. So this book was actually incredibly helpful. Her new book, uh, She Kills Me, uh, comes out this fall. So we talk a little bit about that. If you're listening to this podcast, you know who Jennifer Wright is. You most likely follow her on Twitter. We talk a little bit about that. And I just want to say thank you to her for being on this show. One of the highlights of doing You, Me, Them, Everybody for the last 13 years is meeting people like this. Well... It's incredibly difficult to meet people like this because we are still in the midst of a global pandemic. So that is why for the first time in 13 years, we have a Patreon account. We used to have a live show and ask for donations there. That's not happening. The Patreon is happening. There's tiers for everyone. If you were the kind of person that would come and buy us a drink, there's that tier. If you're the kind of person that's rich, there's definitely that tier. Without further ado, here's Jennifer Wright. First of all, I want to say thank you for doing what you do because... At the start of the pandemic, I read two books that in a weird way guided my next year, one of which was yours and one of which was The Stand by Stephen King. And the big, take, the big takeaway I took from The Stand was guns are always wrong. Guns are inevitably what's going to be the downfall of society. And it's tacked on way at the end of an extremely long book. But your book, on the other hand, the through line, I would say, is Compassion
1: that is what i believe the through line is as well and that is something that did not manifest during this pandemic
0: so this is maybe a a silly question because we can't live in hypotheticals but let's say we have different leadership at the start of the global pandemic does the global pandemic play out in the same way or is it sort of an ebola type of situation
1: Well, I mean, I think we can look to countries where there was better leadership and where the citizenry also behaved a lot better. One of those is New Zealand, where they were able to get COVID-19 under control pretty quickly. And I think you can credit part of that to leadership. You can credit that partly to people in New Zealand being more willing to help their neighbors and less rugged individuals than americans fancy themselves and part of that is also it's a smaller country mm-hmm. so
0: based on what you're saying with those three facets my answer is uh, no Th- that could have never it doesn't matter who the leader is because this was a country for better or worse the st- the myth behind it is rugged individualism even if the facts don't play out so who cares you know what i mean
1: um i mean I, one of the books that i've been thinking about so much throughout this past year, is Kurt Anderson's Fantasyland.
0: Okay, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That um, America is a nation of fantasists who have come to believe that whatever they believe is just as good as whatever an expert tells them. And uh, I I think that was really true through this pandemic. I think you had a lot of insane conspiracy theories. Theories pretty much from day one. Sure. And you had a president that enabled those conspiracy theories. I mean, I, I think when we look back on this, we'll remember Trump trying to deflect blame, trying to call it the Wuhan virus or the China virus in a way that didn't help anyone. Um, I think we'll remember his refusal to wear a mask. And I think we'll remember him also just saying crazy things like maybe inject bleach. And then some people tried to do that and they died. So I think we had leadership that was very prone to enabling conspiracy theories. And when I say leadership, I mean mostly Trump. Sure, sure, sure.
0: Are you worried now that with today, for the listener at home, we are recording this on Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. Are you worried that today's Johnson & Johnson, not recall, but pause, you might say, in certain areas around the world, will give more fuel to the conspiracy theory fire?
1: Um, Yes, I am. But I'm also afraid that 5G towers will give more fuel to the conspiracy theory fire. Sure, sure, sure. And I think one of the things that private companies can do is shut down horrible disinformation. Um, We've seen how fast conspiracy theories can spread on places like Facebook or places like Twitter. And I think it's really good that at least in the recent month, they've started providing links to credible information and started providing links to the CDC website on Information that is actually reliable about COVID-19 and is not Dr. Rainbow McKenzie. Sure, sure. Who says that really this is all caused by windmills and um, windmills and angels. I don't know.
0: I don't want to make this about your husband, but he has my absolute favorite tweet about understanding the progress of Facebook between 2012 and 2020
1: and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, your parents in, yeah. what is it, like 1999, don't yeah. believe anything you read on the internet. Yeah. In 2020, your parents are saying, freedomeagle.facebook.com says yeah. that Hillary invented AIDS. Yeah.
0: Once again, I don't want to make this about your husband, but it makes a lot of sense. Anyways, back to your book. Did you feel that like you wanted to scream into the void for the last year? Because... All the time, you wrote about literally everything that was going to happen based on everything that did
1: happen in 2017. Yeah, so it turns out that Cassandra isn't the happiest figure in mythology. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, the the thing is, I'm I'm not a doctor. Um, anybody could have figured this out by. Sitting down and looking at plagues that happened and looking at how important community action and a clear, reliable message coming from the top was when it came to fighting things like polio and how capable people were during that outbreak of rallying the whole country together. You didn't have a lot of people saying, oh, polio doesn't exist or like Mm -hmm. the president hates polio. it it would be very surprising if FDR who had been impacted by polio decided like I just sit for fun, nothing polio isn't
0: real the the Uh. interesting thing about I I don't want to say interesting when it comes to plagues but I never thought this is, I'm a cisgendered white male. I know this is my fault and I'm trying to be better about it, but I didn't view the AIDS crisis in the same lens as I view the Spanish flu or other plagues. But it is a plague. It was a plague.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, it it was a plague. And I think partly we're only able to see the scope of those things when we're a little bit removed from them. I didn't feel... Um, It was a big question for me on whether or not I wanted to write a chapter about the AIDS crisis, Mm -hmm. because I absolutely believe it was a plague. I think the government inaction on the AIDS crisis was horrifying in a way that deserves note in any book about plagues. But I also feel like it's a story that's still being told so well by the men and women who lived through it. And uh, I think there are a lot of wonderful books you can read about those times and what it was like, or better yet, you can talk to people in your community about what it was like to live through AIDS. And for the time being, until those people with lived experiences aren't available, uh, I would still prefer to defer to them and advise readers to go out and talk to them. Um, I, I know my husband wrote a book about santa claus's husband Mm -hmm. Uh, that stems from a tweet where people were very very mad about black santa at the mall of america and we were joking that fine if they're that mad we're just going to tell our future children that santa is definitely black if you see a white one that's his husband and it became a very popular tweet and it led to him reading with um the gay men's chorus in new york which was A wonderful experience and and experience where we both heard a lot about people whose friends and partners had died of AIDS and the impact on people's lives during that time. So, uh, yeah, yeah, to me, AIDS isn't really over yet. And the people who can tell you about it certainly are still alive and still willing to talk about it.
0: But, two things about that number one you are such a professional that you were able to work in a plug for your husband's book uh children's book about <laughs> Santa's husband okay
1: Santa yeah which is yeah.
0: brilliant but you also book you like you, you made it a wonderful oreo sandwich of like sadness fun stuff and then sadness back you're just a pro and that's a wonderful thing number two the reason why I brought up the AIDS thing isn't necessarily because you are the right or wrong person to be uh, writing about this. I think it doesn't matter. The facts are facts, and, and you you, probably, <laughs> you 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 come with the facts. This isn't an opinion. Facebook. What the, the thing that mattered, I think, is this coronavirus to me was never viewed in that same lens, and I think that was my disappointment. Oh, don't worry, it will be. You think it will?
1: Yeah, I think it will be okay. by the time by the time your toddler is an adult. Mm-hmm. Like, in his 30s, it will be understood to have been a great pandemic of the early 21st century. Yeah. And millions died, half a million Americans, more than half a million Americans now. And that was in the course of a year. Uh, When you compare that to people who die in wars, in wars like Vietnam that stretched over multiple years, it's just a horrifying, horrifying figure. And I think... Look, apocalypses never look the way they do on television. It never looks like the stand, right? You never go outside one day and all your neighbors are are, are on the lawn and they're dying and you're the only one and now you've got to get a gun. So I think when Americans especially think of apocalyptic events, they think of this great restart to everything about society and that's not really the way it works with pandemics Uh, we can look at the spanish flu and people being furious that the movie theaters were closing down yeah the absolute refusal to close the bars down i think in your book what is it
0: is it philadelphia had the parade yeah
1: philadelphia has a parade and scientists and medical people at the time were begging them not to hold that parade because they knew what would result, and the huge number of infections that would stem from having a parade and having people in those close quarters, but they really wanted to have the parade, yeah. and Americans are really resistant to giving up one iota of fun or comfort for any reason.
0: Yeah, you decide to. <laughs> you and your husband have decided this is the time we should we should bring someone into the world. <gasps>
1: yeah we decided that right yeah i'm I'm seven months pregnant now
0: i feel like it's okay what? because you're very public about all of this so it's not like i'm i didn't need to clear this with you because your twitter is very public and you are you and your <laughs> husband have relatively well-known uh status in the yeah
1: I, I don't think anybody who wants to listen to this will be surprised no. <laughs> i so i am very pregnant
0: based on that timeline you got pregnant before the 2020 election which makes me think that you were really rolling the dice.
1: right before exactly the election. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a bit personal, but I, I have some fertility issues sure. that meant that I have been struggling with this for years and we've done rounds of IVF and we were kind of reaching the end. And, uh, and I wanted a child so badly. It is such a miracle that this happened. I am unbelievably happy. But I found out that I was pregnant right before the election. And I thought, well, that's it. God is giving me one thing. This is the thing. Now we live under fascism. Everybody dies forever. But it's fine. It's fine. That's a trade I am willing to make.
0: Now, did you, were you worried more about who is going to be the leader of the free world once your person is born? Or were you more worried that there would not be a vaccine?
1: Um... uh, You know, I think science has advanced so much. And I think we were already on the road where we could see a vaccine coming. Mm -hmm. I think having Trump in charge would have made a huge difference with the rollout. I think it would have made a huge difference with convincing people to go out and get vaccinated. I think probably there would have been different information available. I think it would have been worse if we didn't have very competent leadership when people were trying to roll out the vaccine and leadership that was enthusiastic about the vaccine. One thing that if I mean, God knows a lot of things have upset me about Trump. But one thing that really upset me was the fact that he wouldn't let himself be pictured getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. I assume that's because it goes against this very macho image that he wants to project but uh, you know a, a, a picture of a world leader getting a vaccine makes a difference it helps make people feel safer about going out and getting it themselves and I really appreciated the fact that it, it's such a small thing but that Joe Biden always wore a mask mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> No, is that timed? It's not COVID. Okay. It's not COVID. I've, well, I've had both your, of my shots.
0: Yeah, you just got your <laughs> second shot. I'm completely done as well. And it's it's not a bittersweet thing. It's, it's purely good. But toddlers can't get vaccinated. You, once your person is born, in theory, within the next three months they're not going to be approving this for newborns so
1: i am desperately hopeful that some evidence now shows that some of the resistance goes down to Mm -hmm. the baby if you give birth so you know we're we're gonna hope for that but there are also months before she can be vaccinated for measles or mumps or rubella so don't worry i think once um once my daughter is born i will be worried every single day that she will die <laughs> i'll just i'll just never stop worrying about yeah
0: that. yeah that's right that checks out now um can we talk about your next book
1: oh yeah of course yeah
0: timing is everything and for better or worse i think that uh, the company i used to work for we had a true crime festival and that was one of the very few silver linings of the last four years was True crime really had its moment during the Trump presidency. And it really did. your next book, which comes out in 2021, will be what, like ten months into the Biden presidency or something like that. And
1: it will be, and it's a little bit different now.
0: Exactly. Are you worried about the potential readership <laughs> did, for true did crime?
1: I, did I miss the moment? Y- yes, I have thought about that. I uh I remember Starting this book, because I remember Trump saying, it's such a scary time for men. And I thought, first of all, no, it's not. We've, we've been weaving keys through our fingers like we're Wolverine every time we walk home. If you're a woman, it's not a scary time for men. You You guys will be fine. Stop giving massages in the office. But... I I did start thinking about, okay, what would it look like if a woman actually made it a scary time for men? And who are women who have historically done that? And they range from these really fascinating spies who fought the Nazis and killed them to women who poisoned their abusive husbands to women who were just truly psychotic and just killed hundreds of people. So the book is called She Kills Me. It's about murderous women through history. It's a pretty broad range. And I try to offer a little commentary on whether or not I I think this is a good one or a very bad one. So who's number
0: one in your power rankings?
1: Oh, number one on the power rankings. Um, That's so interesting. The one... Oh, God. Okay, I mean... The one that I think most people think of is Elizabeth Bathory, who is kind of the prototypical vampire. The idea is that she bathed in blood to stay young forever. She almost certainly did not do that. But she was living in a time where she could abuse her servants very ruthlessly. And uh, she, she's high up there. She's sometimes remembered as the first famous female serial killer. But i thought
0: you were gonna go with the one the dutch teenager that seduced and killed nazis
1: nazis there were actually two of them they were sisters i apologize <laughs> um yeah she's in there i i think she's kind of, she might be the best one yeah. like yeah i'm I, gonna go
0: with she's the best one
1: she's the best one probably um uh, but there are also a lot of other ones who look i love nazi killers um we only worked one Nazi into the book because my editor thought that it was going to be too depressing to have too many female Nazis in there.
0: Hold on. Hold on. You're saying they're too depressing, but there's too many female Nazis or female Nazi killers.
1: Oh, female Nazis.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Agreed.
1: I mean, yeah. It's Nazism is a bummer. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And stop. (laughs) Um, So you, you worked as an editor, editor, you understand the written word, you understand humor. This is both a sincere and absurd question. Mike yes. Pence was literally try- like they tried to hang Mike Pence. They tried to hang Mike Pence. And Mike Pence is still on that side. Is that should that be the what new definition? On of, hold on, is, should that be the new definition of gallows humor? Maybe <laughs> they literally. That's a gallow, right?
1: I know. I know. You you see the rope. That's funny, there. right?
0: And remind like people yeah. say that's insensitive, but they tried to hang him and he's like, no, nah, they're cool.
1: No, they're fine. I like those guys. I I understand why they wanted to kill me. Yeah, yeah, and
0: he's still trying to fundraise for them. That's gallows humor, right?
1: Well, I look at the bizarre loyalty of members of the Republican Party right now, or Republicans themselves, and I do think about how (laughs) if a Democrat said something dumb on television, we are willing to disown them immediately. Like it, it doesn't have to be criminal. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual assault. Somebody could just say a dumb thing on television and every young Democrat I know would be like, well, I'll never vote for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, Republicans are like, nah, I'm so, so he sex traffics teenage girls. Like everybody would if they could, right? No, no. How did that party go from being the party of family values to its modern-day incarnation, it is. So I can't tell if you
0: me. don't know how absurd you sound right now. And I, I once again, I'm not <laughs> trying to sound like a white cisgendered man, but like you mean the party of family values that hid the priests forever? You're shocked oh, that God. now they're yeah. cool with Matt Gates? Like what? It, it's a. <laughs> it's completely consistent with everything ever. Yeah. Nothing's yeah. new. It, also slavery. So like fuck that. Like,
1: there's no. There's never been a good time. Oh. They will very enthusiastically tell you that actually Abraham Lincoln yeah, yeah, was a yeah, Republican. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got and it. And we're going to pretend that nothing has changed since so, uh, since the 19th century. That's the thing about this
0: whole thing where, like, this isn't new. Nothing's new.
1: No, it's not. No. And I I think, not to circle too much back to the book, but I think that's also what I got from writing Get Well soon. Yes, and that's why I loved it.
0: Because it was yeah. in a weird way... Sort of a balm for like, this is going to pass. This is how it's always passed. These could go on for a very long time, but this is not your ever. And things are cyclical and stuff. And the only way to really deal with it is compassion. Here's my issue with that. You are 100% (laughs) right. I want to be like that. And for the first X amount of months during the pandemic, I was. And I think since the vaccine rollout. I've been less and less compassionate because now it's a situation where, like, I want to get back to the world, right? I want to be able to go to certain grocery stores that I wasn't oh, able absolutely. to go
1: to. But, yeah, I, I want to go to the movies. I'm yeah. counting down the days until I feel like my second vaccine has kicked in and I can go to a movie theater that is only allowed to be 20% full. And I'm thinking, like, maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon where <laughs> sure. I'll probably be the only one.
0: And I'm not worried so much about me alone, but I still have a kid, and that's the issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: it's not a thing where, like, my compassion could help at a certain point. Now it's a situation where I just have to make, in a weird way, more calculated decisions where, like, the first 12, 13, 14 months of this thing, you're just like, no, I'm not doing this, this, and this. It's over. There's no Look, did, extra thought.
1: Did you did you wear a mask when you went outside?
0: Yeah, every day.
1: You probably saved somebody's life. I mean, I, I don't know if we'll ever find out the statistics on that. I'm not saying that if you believe in an afterlife, the first thing they're going to do when you get to the pearly gates is be like, good work on that mass, save five people. But yeah, by following instructions, by trying our best, and I'm not saying that everybody had to be perfect all the time. Um, my husband and I did some outdoor dining because there were only so many nights I could cook it. Sure. Sure. But I think if compassion is mostly just about trying, it's mostly just about thinking about your neighbor and weighing your personal pleasure against the ways that it might impact them. And that doesn't mean that you're going to give up everything that gives you pleasure because nobody can do that. But It does mean that you think about it. And when I look at the number of people that were so angry that they were being asked to think about it or to do things that were such a minor inconvenience for probably you and me, like wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. that they just wouldn't do it out of some kind of obstinacy or proof that they were a tough guy who wasn't afraid of the virus. Well, you know, you may not be afraid of it, but somebody who's undergoing chemotherapy is pretty afraid somebody who is 80 is pretty afraid it it just to me was a failure of compassion in so far as i i don't know if people didn't realize that or if there are some people who are just fundamentally incapable of imagining what other people are going through but it was very sad to me um And, you know, I think we live in New York. Um, In a way, New York is very good about trying to take care of your neighbors. I think everybody worked very hard to wear their masks. And we all kept six feet apart in the grocery stores and uh, cheered for the nurses and the people who were trying to help. But then you look at other places where people were just not interested in doing that to even the smallest degree, and it is so sad.
0: Well, it is sad, but it's also infuriating because you, people travel, and <laughs> that's the, yeah, and that's the yeah, issue. It's, it's not just like, well, let them have their cake and die, like whatever. <laughs> like, it's, that's not how it works. So,
1: no, they'll infect everybody, yeah, so and like it, it went matter. on longer than it should have. And there are some other countries that have a philosophy that is more based around community. I think, um, I don't know the statistics on places like Japan, but I'm going to guess that people were pretty good about wearing their masks. And I think what we got out of this is we really, really do have a culture Where a lot of people are willing to say, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy and fuck the rest of you.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's the foundation of this country. So why would we ever change?
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: You mentioned you guys live in New York. You're going to have a kid at the tail end of a pandemic. Are you planning on staying in New York City?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, My husband is working on a few different TV shows right now. So uh, it's, uh, it's possible we're going to move to L.A.? Cool. Which uh, which could be fun. That could that could be cool too. Um, I like LA. That seems nice. We'd probably be able to get a place with a yard. Yeah, would be great it's to have helpful. that for a kid. Yeah, yeah, that seems that seems fun. I'd like to you know be able to send a toddler out to play in the yard for a while.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. But I, I, I also I,
1: love New York. Maybe now more than ever. So I would be very sad to leave.
0: Good for you, not for me. See. <laughs> I didn't spend any real time living in New York and I was never really single in New York. And I, and once my wife and I became my wife and I, and we have a kid, it's like, what are we, why would you do that? But I could understand if you're in there, in your twenties and your thirties, you're like, yeah, this is the best, but what, what is it I just, for? Okay.
1: I, I have not driven in about a decade.
0: Okay. Well, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, uh, okay. so that's going to be a, a big change. When was me, the last time you were need. on the subway? Oh, I mean, well, I mean, less recently now because of the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, like a month ago. Okay. Um, if I need to go anyplace, I'd still take the subway.
0: When you are taking the subway, are you anxious or are you cool?
1: Yes, I'm anxious all the time because okay. of the that, pandemic.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Like, I'm anxious <laughs> outside with, in a gathering and I'm vaccinated.
1: Um, I, I will say that after getting the vaccine... I felt like a golden god. Okay. Um, I am still riding pretty high on my vaccination. I am very happy that we're done with uh with the vaccine now.
0: Good. But
1: uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm still worried about the new variants. I'm still worried about many, many people who for whatever reason, are going to refuse to get the vaccine. And if we don't get enough people vaccinated, then we don't have herd immunity. Yeah. You, you know all the problems. That that yeah, I read the book. Down the road. Yeah. Uh,
0: is it weird that you're talking about something that you wrote like four years ago? But yeah, is that weird? Because to me, that's the whole point of writing a book, but you don't really see authors doing press tours after like the six months yeah. of the initial release if there's not a paperback copy.
1: You don't yeah and i remember a lot of jokes at the beginning of the pandemic that people thought that i did my viral marketing for this a little bit late but no i mean i'm I'm very glad that people have enjoyed the book during this period it's kind of had a second life it's gotten picked up in a lot of foreign countries Mm -hmm. and published there now i think it's in a japanese textbook oh that's cool uh, yeah that teaches teenagers how people responded to plagues so that's awesome but uh, yeah i didn't look if if i could trade like Fifteen dollars of residuals versus <laughs> not having half a million Americans dead. I think I'd probably weigh the two and decide that it would probably be better not to have a global pandemic.
0: Well, what if it's like fifteen hundred dollars?
1: I mean, look, you know, I kids are expensive. I do want an air fryer? Yeah. I mean, let's think about it. But, um, no, no. I obviously I'm very sad for the reasons that. The book became popular in this past year. But uh, look, we're going to have another pandemic. The world is incredibly (laughs) interconnected now. Um, Deforestation is going to cause a lot of problems. So is that what you're most worried about?
0: As a a future new parent, what's your number one with a bullet? I am worried about this for my kid.
1: Um, You know, I... Again, I I think when people think about climate change, they think about it being a disaster movie, like one of those Mm -hmm. movies where the tidal wave just destroys all of Manhattan. And I don't think it will happen that way, but I think we will see the global effects of climate change more and more and more in the coming decades. I think there are already places in South America where food doesn't grow anymore. Yeah. And it leads to a massive amount of immigration. And we're either going to figure out how to handle that in a compassionate way where we can come together as a global community or we're going to start building walls that are mounted with machine guns and just yeah. plowing people down as they try to cross the border.
0: I'm more worried and, about guns than anything else.
1: I mean, I'm worried. Well, guns are a uniquely American obsession. Yeah. And so, unfortunately
0: I live here. So
1: I know, I know we have to keep doing that. Um, I, I will say during, during the pandemic, I, got um i got canadian citizenship i'm My parents so are canadian, jealous so good for
0: you uh,
1: it felt like uh it felt like a time when things were going so badly for yeah. a while that i i just needed a little escape hatch in case we needed to go and give birth in toronto
0: god that's such a... go to toronto do daniel we could work <laughs> up there jesus there's tv and film <laughs> up there come on
1: well i mean that's that's the thing about immigration right like we we don't want to leave here all of our friends are here all of our work is here our yeah but they'll want
0: to here. visit all the time and also you won't have friends once you have kids you'll have a totally new subset of friends it does not matter
1: <laughs> okay all right i right. i'll let everybody know yeah that's fine um, you know what when i'm writing thank you notes for uh for baby shower gifts I'll just say just so you know we have no intention of seeing you for 10 years.
0: We'll see you once a year and we'll say this is great we should do it again and then do you'll see. Do it again sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I very 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 rarely get to speak with a husband and a wife. So I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him. Um you're very public on Twitter. Do you have any regrets about being very public on the internet?
1: Do uh, uh well, it's a nightmare.
0: So. Exactly. But here's the thing. That's an optional nightmare with an asterisk. Do well, you have is, the career you is have it without really?
1: Because the first thing that publishers ask me is exactly. how many Twitter followers exactly. do
0: you have. Exactly. So you can't have your status without that social media presence. Is that correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean for for me. Yeah. Okay, yes, I probably could. I think it would make a tremendous difference in the size of my advances on books um i i think i could work with different publishers there there are choices you make on how much of an audience you want to build and how much is conducive to your sanity i will say i don't have twitter on my phone anymore um it's on daniel's phone he has the passwords for both of our twitters and uh, uh you know sometimes he's he's washing dishes after dinner And he tells me I can look at my Twitter and I look at it for 10 minutes, but I couldn't have it on my phone anymore. I think after 100,000 followers, there's just never a day where somebody isn't going to say something horrible to you. And some days that's fine. And some days it destroys your entire evening. So um it's on Daniel's phone now. If I want to tweet something during the day, I usually just text it to him and he puts it up for me. And I I feel like that sounds very codependent. I, I don't feel like a strong independent woman saying that. But there were just so many nights after a certain point where um some guy would like say that he was going to rape me in a horrible way and then then I'd end up like trying to Facebook stalk him to make sure that this is mm-hmm. an angry fifteen-year-old and not a man who just escaped from prison and yeah. he's not like outside my house. And uh, suddenly you've been doing that for an hour and you're you're just shaking and it's awful. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of, <laughs> um, as a husband and wife team, we kind of had to institute measures to stop me from checking it very often
0: i was completely my job was also dependent on that but then clearly the pandemic changed everything and actually having a kid and doing like overnight feedings and stuff like that i've been on twitter more as just agreeing and consuming it more than ever before My end. and i hope that will change but like I due mean, to nap it, time, due to bedtime, like, that's when I'm checking, not because I want to, because, like, I have five minutes to kill and I can't, if I don't use this, I will sleep, and that's bad because the kid's not asleep. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, but also, like, my God, the joke's on there. It's its incredible. Like, All the jokes it... have
0: just turned into Democratic Socialist Twitter for me. All my comedy <laughs> friends are now just, like, oh, that you just found out about 68? Oh, cool, I read Steal This Book when I was 15, welcome. Like... <laughs> It's just disappointing that like Sasha Baron, like Borat was the reason you know who Abby Hoffman is. Ugh, that's not even yeah. the best doc, like yeah. dramatization. Like watch the, um, watch the D'Onofrio version of steal this movie. That's a way better portrayal. And this is not a knock on Sasha Baron Cohen at all. I'm pro Borat. I think it might've actually swayed the election.
1: I, I, I hope it did. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, look, I, at this point, I'm kind of trying to use it as a one-way joke delivery system. But
0: I, I get that. I, get I that. try to
1: think of something funny I could say about once a day, and then I feed it into the Twitter machine, and I try not to read any of the replies.
0: Are you planning on posting any photos of your offspring? I,
1: I don't think I will be able to resist it. Okay. I mean, look, for the first year... If you don't dress them up in a tiny dinosaur costume, why would you even have a child?
0: You could just not put it on Twitter, though, is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> um, I, I could, but I assume that I will believe that this is the most beautiful picture ever taken, on, on par with any great work of art. So how could I possibly resist the temptation? We have talked about whether or not we're going to share her name on, on Twitter, and I think that's a little dicier. I don't like the idea of... Her being five years old and yeah. a stranger knowing her name and maybe being creepy and shouting it out to her on the street. I, I, yeah, don't I, care I completely for
0: that. We're the same. The only people that know are the people that know and or we'd lie. So every time somebody asks me on the show I just give a brand new name.
1: Oh great. Okay. Uh so so what's your kid's name? Piggy. Piggy. Wow. Good. Like Lord of the Flies.
0: Actually, no. We named him after Abby Hoffman at the 68 convention when he referred to the cops as pigs. We named him Piggy. And that's the one thing Donald Trump remembers as an insult to cops to this day. (laughs) And that's why all protests are bad. And that's why we named him Piggy.
1: That's why protesting is bad. Great. Good work. Good work on that
0: one. (laughs) Thank you for doing what you do. Um, In no way should you ever follow advice from somebody that's not nearly as successful of you, but... um, I'm gonna tell you what my wife, she's a public figure, what my wife wrote down on a post-it note that I also look at on a daily basis. Twitter is optional.
1: Twitter is optional. Kind yeah. of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you me them everybody is made by me, Brandon Weatherby. Our theme music is by Daniel Knox. Our art is by Jillian Ron. You can hear all 13 years of shows at you me them everybody. Dot com. If you're listening to this in Spotify or on iTunes, the last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, you meet them everybody.com. Our Patreon page is on our about page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff at sign ymTE. Thanks for listening of the places that you've been sleeping friends and family I'll be keeping won't